Well, good morning and happy Sunday to you. Well, if everything goes according to plan, it looks like this might be my last sermon coming to you from my basement office. And hopefully the next time I see you, we'll be in person at Elam Chapel. Today, we're going to be continuing our series on the fruit of the Spirit, taken from Galatians 5, verses 22 to 23, where the Bible says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Before we get into it, let's welcome God into our midst and start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for a new week. Thank you for another day that we can gather together. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the worship that we've shared this morning. Thank you for our worship teams who bring music and, and joy to us as we come to worship you, Lord. We pray that you would be with us as we dive into your word today, as we learn some things about you and about ourselves, God, and that we would become closer to the people that you desire us to be, that you would mold us further to the image of your Son, that we would be your servants, that we could be your people, even as you are our God. In your name we pray. Amen. So as I said, today we're continuing on our series of the Fruit of the Spirit, and today we're going to be talking about goodness. Now, goodness is one of the fruits of the Spirit, or fruit of the Spirit. I always get that mixed up, whether when you pluralize that word. Goodness is one of the fruit of the Spirit that sometimes gets a bit lost in the shuffle, partly because it seems so similar to kindness and gentleness, and in many ways love. And really, there's a good question to be asked whether it is actually something separate. Because sometimes Paul uses flowery language to say something, to say the same thing, in more than one way. So, like, for example, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, Paul is talking about how we should interact with one another. Being filled with the Spirit, he says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, and spiritual songs. Now, is there a good distinction between psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? Maybe. Maybe if you want to get super technical about like choruses and poetic structure. But I, I think for most of us, that's just three ways of saying the same thing. Paul is using flowery language to make his point. And Paul does something similar just a few verses prior, in Galatians 5, 19-21, where he lists the acts of the flesh. It's kind of a precursor mirror to the fruit of the Spirit. I won't read them now, but if you go ahead and read them for yourself, you're definitely going to feel like Paul is hitting the same note multiple times, but from different angles. Like, you'll see that. You will, I promise. So, is that what's going on here? with the similarity between goodness, kindness, and gentleness? Maybe. Maybe. And, I mean, we know we know that this isn't an exhaustive list, right? Like, we know this isn't an exhaustive list of everything that the Spirit grows in our lives, right? They're not all listed here. Like, what about, what about compassion or generosity or, or perspective, right? This, the more the Spirit is at work in your life, the better the perspective that you'll have on what happens to you. You know, the more you'll remember the things that God has done in your life in the past, the more that you'll recognize what's a small setback and what are really the important things. 
but that's not listed in this passage. But that doesn't mean that this list isn't important and valuable, right? Like it is. It just means that we need to not treat this passage like it's an ironclad, perfect, all-encompassing description of the, fr the Spirit's effect on our lives. But I do think that these three words, though related, do bring up some important differences in emphasis that are worth focusing on. So, what is goodness? What does it mean to be good? It's an idea that our culture kind of takes for granted. Like, we don't really talk about it. We just all sort of assume that we know what it means, and we expect each other to pick it up through context. And we use the term all the time in strange contexts. We say goodbye. We say good for you. We say goods and services. I had a good cry. We had a good talk. I had a good supper. These all bear some relation to the idea of goodness, but none of them is really it, you know? Like they're all, well, they're all derivative. They're, but nearer to the mark, sometimes we use the word good to describe a person. We often preface discussions of people with a statement about the goodness of that person, especially if we're allowed to gossip about them. I'm sure he's a good person, but do you, do you know what I mean? Now, of course, we mean such goodness in only relative terms. The Bible makes it very clear that there are no good humans except the God-man, Jesus the Christ. For example, in Psalm 14:3, it says, There is none who does good, not even one. And this is echoed in Romans 3. And I think this comes up in Isaiah 53 as well. At its most simple, I think most of us would say that goodness is about selflessness. Right? It's about putting others first. As it says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 to 4, another wonderful Paul book, do nothing out of selfish, ambi selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. That sounds like goodness to me. Doesn't it sound like goodness to you? And, I mean, we could break that idea down further, pull in some other words to help us understand. Like, like earlier, we mentioned generosity. Maybe generosity is good because it's putting the physical needs of others ahead of your own, right? Or, or compassion. Compassion is another helpful word, putting the emotional needs of others ahead of your own. And certainly, when we look at many of the examples of good people, we're often looking at examples of selfless lives. The first one that comes to mind for me is Mother Teresa, right? Who we honor because of the way that she laid down her own ambitions and desires and instead spent her life caring for the poorest of India. Or, more scriptural example, how about Paul of Tarsus, right? Who, who wrote this book that we're talking about, who was subjected to all kinds of physical terrors as a result of his devotion to Jesus, right? Paul went through all kinds of terrible things. But he tells us in Philippians 3.8, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Right? Paul is an example of a selfless life, someone who lives for a greater purpose, for some, someone and something greater than himself. And I think that if we're going to talk about goodness, there is one particular scripture that we need to spend a bit of time thinking about. 
It's found in two of the Gospels, in Mark 10, 18, and in Luke, uh, in Luke 18, verse 19. Jesus is approached by someone who's asking a question, and he addresses him politely. Good teacher. And now Jesus' response is our focus. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. It's worth pointing out, for those of us who are newer to the faith or aren't as familiar with this passage, that Jesus is coyly asking this man whether he believes that Jesus is God. But back to the main focus. No one is good except God alone. If we're going to talk about what it means to be good, then we must talk about the character of God. The Bible is adamant on this point. It, it comes up a lot. How about in 1 Chronicles 16.34, where it says, Give thanks excuse me, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Or Psalm 100 verse 5, where something very similar is said, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And not only is God good, but God's actions are good. James 1.17, we read that every good and perfect gift is from above, shining down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change from like the shifting shadows. In the opening chapters of Genesis, as God creates the world, the refrain that happens again and again is that God creates something and it was good. And that created goodness is corrupted by the fall. But the point is that God's creative action is good. And one of the most well-known Psalms, Psalm 23 concludes with these words, words which focus on the relationship between knowing and being known by God and goodness. Psalm 23, verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. So it's important that we remember that when we talk about goodness, in a very real sense, we are talking about godness. As we become more good or have more goodness in our lives, we're becoming closer to God. We're becoming more like God. And actually, it's the other way around. As we become closer to God, we become more good. It is a fruit of the Spirit, after all. And I think we really could end this sermon right there. We won't. Like, I'll keep going. I mean, you can go if you want. But if there's one thing that you take away from today, it should be that. If you want to grow the fruit of goodness in your life, work on being closer to God. Read your Bible, pray, spend time in worship and service. Well, if you've decided to stick around, let's dive a little deeper and see what else we can learn today. We've talked about how goodness is godness and about how goodness is selflessness, but what about what goodness is not? We generally have an easier time saying what something isn't than what it is. Like, it's way easier to get people to agree that something is evil than that something is good. We're very adept at seeing not good. And maybe that will help us get a picture of, get a better picture of goodness. One idea that our culture tends to conflate with goodness is the idea of niceness. And this is a problem because, again, niceness is rarely well defined or understood. And at the surface, these two ideas sound pretty interchangeable. Niceness, goodness... But I think if we spend some time, we'll find some important differences. What does it mean to be nice? We have two little kids. They're two and four. 
and we're really struggling with the word nice, whether it's something that we want to be using. It feels like being nice to each other should be a major theme of our parenting right now, but what does it mean? Well, let's see. Nice kids don't hit each other. Fair enough. Nice kids don't yell. Nice kids don't talk back to their parents. Nice kids eat what's put in front of them. I mean, that all sounds good. Sounds pretty good. But is it? Are there instances where it is the right reaction to hit someone? Are there times when yelling is the right decision? Now, I think ages two and four are too young to be trying to parse the nuances of those questions, but as adults, right? Like as adults, it highlights that maybe nice isn't quite the goal that we're supposed to be aiming for. And I would put forward that Jesus, the person that we most want our children to be like, was not nice. Jesus was highly confrontational. Jesus was sarcastic. Jesus raised his voice. Jesus was rude to people in authority. Jesus made his family worry constantly. Jesus got exasperated with his students. For crying out loud, Jesus made a whip and flipped over tables in the temple. He called people bad names. But Jesus was good. He was perfectly good. Like, his goodness is the only thing that gives us any hope. So we have to somehow reconcile these rough and hard and deeply not nice things about Jesus and make our ideas of goodness fit into them. Ultimately, goodness is about moral rightness. It is about right action, right living, right relating. And it's about doing the right things for the right reasons. It's not a backdoor, oh, I did the right thing, but for the wrong reason sort of idea. Right? Like it's, but it's also about how you do those things. We were finally back in the office this week after months of working from home. And one day we had a big conversation about different issues going forward. And one of the things that came up was how to do right, how to represent God's goodness and speak truth while also not pushing people away who need to hear those messages. It reminds me of one of the descriptions of Jesus in John 1.14, where he's described as full of grace and truth. We can all kind of relate to that idea, right? That, that there are times when we know what the right thing is, but we know that if we say it, we're going we're gonna to hurt people or we're going to be, be hurtful about it and we're going to ruin our currency. And, and we, we wonder how to travel that. But Jesus is described as full of grace and truth. Jesus told the truth. Jesus did the right thing, but he also did it in the right way. And that's, that's really hard for us to dissect. When 2,000 years later, we're looking at this life trying to see how we should live and seeing seemingly contradictory stories of Jesus speaking hard words to some and indescribably tender words to others. When is it the time to extend the hand of grace, and when is it the time to speak hard truth? Well, there's no easy answer to that question. I have to go back to our first point, that goodness is godness. And that as we learn to be sensitive to the Spirit, as we draw close to God, and as we're transformed by the renewing of our minds, that we'll be able to walk those lines. And this really is what it comes down to. Grow closer to God and the fruit will follow. 
So how can we know and see these fruit in our lives? When we see ourselves making choices that prioritize others rather than ourselves, we're seeing goodness. When we make choices based on rightness, not based on feelings or convenience, we're seeing goodness. And especially when we can tell that the Spirit is guiding our response in different situations, then we'll know that we are showing the fruit of goodness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit who lives in us. Thank you for your son who died for us, who, who rose and who reigns forevermore at your side. We pray, Lord, that we would be your people, that we would be continue to be and continually be transformed into the image of your son, that you would chip off those edges of us, that you would smooth out the, the rough parts, that we would be more like you that we could bear the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, God, that we would be a light in dark places. Be with us as we go. Thank you for your word. Thank you for our time together. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. Go in peace. We'll see you soon.